0: Father, we we come to you and we're so just blown away by um, your love and for your love for these people in Ukraine and that you would send uh, our friends over there and part of our family over there uh, to minister to them. Lord, I pray that you would equip and give everything that Byron and Emily need. I pray that you would be sufficient for all that they need. I pray that uh, they would look to you and their example of looking to you and trusting in you and walking by faith would, uh, would be what all the people over there need. Lord, I pray that you would magnify their ministry to the people in Ukraine, that, that they could see living by faith and the choices made to live and walk by faith. I pray that you would encourage them when they're discouraged. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would even pile on their more ministry uh, because their sufficiency is not in what they're able to do, but in what you do, Lord. So I pray for great, great fruit, We ask that you would continue to provide for all their needs. Um, in Jesus, we pray that their marriage will be full of love and tenderness and joy. And God, that you would give them uh, true happiness um, that would blow everyone away. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, absolutely. They have a table in the back. They're going to be in the back. So please meet them. Hug them. They cannot get enough hugs. When they're in America, they need hugs, hugs, and more hugs. Um. So um, go, s- we support them as a church, um, but that doesn't mean you can't support them personally as well. So th- sign up for their, their, their prayer list and, and do everything that you can to stay connected with them, okay? We are going to be in the book of 2 Kings. Go ahead and open up to chapter 5 of the book of 2 Kings. Four four, 4, 4, Chapter 4, not 5. 5 is next week. I was studying that on Friday. That's why it was fresh in my mind. But today, we're in chapter 4. So get your Bibles, get your little book out. If you're going to take notes, it's a good day to take notes. Today, we're studying the ninth miracle. We've already made it through eight miracles of Elisha. And today, we're going to study the ninth miracle of Elisha, which is the sufficient loaves, the sufficient loaves. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I ask that you would um, guard every word that comes out of my mouth, that it would be only what you would say to your precious church today and the people that you have brought today. I pray, Jesus, that you would encourage us, bless us, and equip us, and instruct us. And if need be, convict us. And I pray we would be fast to repent and to walk in humility and faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're studying... Elisha, and the life of Elisha right now, usually we do books and we go verse by verse through the books. Well, we have been going verse by verse through 2 Kings, but we're just doing a portion of it because we're going to hit another book after this. Um, But we're studying these miracles of Elisha. And just to kind of get you tracked in, the reason why is because Elisha represents the church to us. And Elijah, who came before and was the master, he represents Jesus. And the things Elijah did were about conquering sin and conquering evil. And and Elisha comes along and he walks with... Jesus, He walks with the master for 10 years and then he begins the ministry once Elijah is taken up to heaven Supernaturally, Elisha begins this new ministry of encouragement and of blessing and of what we would call new covenant ministry Even though he was in the Old Testament He pictures for us how we are supposed to minister to the world and we've seen that in every single one of the Miracles of Elisha. We've seen that it's it's the same ministry that you and I are expected to carry out in this world that we live in, and and, and they're, they're, they're pictures for us. I mean, we haven't necessarily raised people from the dead like we saw him do last week, but we are seeing um, we bring life to dead hearts and lives, and so we have this spiritual application for the way that we are supposed to do ministry, and today follows along the same line, okay? We do have our our app if you are on it, have a smart phone and you... Nathan, am I somehow disappointing you? <laughs> <laughs> Smarties, yeah, exactly. If you have a smartphone, you can go and download our app, and it's got all of our past teachings. We uh, this says Elisha right on, now. I'm, we are having a little problem right now with the the server, so it'll be fixed soon. But you can still download it and and get what's on there. Our website is also a great act. Uh, Resource for all of our past teachings—they're all recorded. Everything we've done through Elisha, um, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Genesis—they're all on there. Zechariah. So, anyway, all that's to say, this is why we're studying Elisha. We're going to see this miracle today is going to apply into our lives, and here's the lesson for today: It is not presumption to trust in the Lord, but it honors God. It is not presumption to trust in the Lord, it honors him. It is not presumption to trust in the Lord. It honors him. But people who trust in the Lord will get mocked. You will get made fun of. I know some of you in the conversations I've had even in the last couple of days where that is absolutely the truth. If you say, I am just going to trust in the Lord, this world and maybe your family maybe your friends maybe even your spouse will say that is not good enough let's look at our text okay second kings chapter 4 verse 42 through 44 <clears throat> then a man came from baal shalisha and brought the man of god bread Of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people that they may eat. But his servant said, what, shall I set this before a hundred men? And he said again, give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them. And they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. That's our text for today. Does that remind you of anything? Yeah, we'll get into that later. All right? So just keep that in mind. But uh, that's why I read the whole thing at the beginning so that your mind and your heart would be stirred up to things that you know about. And we're going to make connections with Jesus and his miracle a little bit later. But we're going to break this down first, okay? There was a man from Baal Shalisha. This man came from Baal Shalisha. Now, every detail is important in the Word of God, so let's check out this. What we've already seen in the preceding verses is that there was a great famine in the land where Elisha was ministering, where he was up in Samaria, and there was this famine in the land but god always provides for his people last week the the lesson we learned is there was this famine and so someone went out and they gathered gourds uh from some weird plant and they put it in the stew and it was poisonous and everyone was like there's death in the pot ah and 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 elisha said don't worry about it put some flour in the soup and it's good to go okay that was the miracle of him healing the death in the pot and it spoke to us of god's word being sufficient to cure our problems okay but needless to say what what the the general idea going on here is we have a famine in this land and so you know what Elisha's been doing Elisha has been praying Elisha has been asking the Lord to provide for the people okay Elisha's been praying that he was provided. Now, Elisha has faith that God will answer his prayer and provide according to God's character and God's word. So that's what Elisha's been doing. Now, this man all of a sudden appears in the story from Baal Shalisha. Now, what is that means nothing to me. But imagine someone showing up at your doorstep from, let's say, the worst place in Pueblo. and, And you're just... You're like... You're like, what are you doing on my doorstep from Pueblo? And I've been praying for the Lord to provide. I don't want no stinking Pueblo stuff in my life. But no, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I could have said Trinidad. You're right. But Pueblo makes me happier to see the look on your face. So, it's, but it, Baal, Baal Shalisha. It's a long ways away. It's way up north from where from where um he's at here in Samaria. And it's not a place known for being full of godly people. All right. In fact, it used to be just called Shalisha. And then they added Baal Shalisha in front of it because they're like, hey, we all worship Baal here, so let's just add his name to the front of our city. It was an identification worship thing. Okay? So the city is known for being full of pagans, full of idol worshippers, and What's the lesson for us? You don't know where God is going to provide from. You don't know. God is always working behind the scenes, and He's often guiding people and your provisions weeks ahead of time, from hundreds of miles away. And I'm sure you guys in Ukraine can testify to many times when the Lord was working things out crazy ways, far away for you to provide for you. It, it is a real thing. So, here's our question for us today. Why don't you see it all the time? Why don't we always see God's provision? I mean, are, are we just prejudiced against people from Pueblo? And we're like, I don't want God to bless me from there? Well, the, the truth is, is because we set up our lives in such a way so we don't have to depend on God answering our prayers but we can rely on ourselves or on anything else we can actually see. That's the reason why we don't see God doing these miraculous, really cool, supplying miracles in our life. We do this. Do you tithe? Or do you save it for a rainy day, thinking, I might need this extra 10% For myself later, we may even try to justify by saying, "God has given me this extra ten percent, so I'm going to save it." So it's Him providing for me. It's a faith issue. It's a faith problem. Do you go to church, or are you too busy with work? You see, you're setting up your life so that your job is providing for your needs. Your job is not meant to provide for your needs. God said, I will provide for your needs. You're supposed to work and be faithful. And if you don't make enough in six days, that's okay. I will supernaturally provide for you. That is God's promise and word to us. And if you feel the need to work seven days, then you don't trust God. Period. And that's, that's a hard thing because people, they, they love working. Some people don't and they're just lazy and that's a whole separate faith issue. <laughs> but some people are like, it's good for me to work. Yes, it's good for you to work. So I'm going to work seven days to make sure my family is provided for. No, you're not. You're not. It is not faithful to do that. God has commanded us take a day off it's not for him it's for you and it's an opportunity for you to trust him that he will provide if you take a day to rest and honor him and spend time with your family those things so do you see how we set up our lives many times so we don't have to have faith so we don't need it do you reduce your risk in all areas so you aren't forced to call upon God because that would be scary? Do we reduce our risk? It is it's scary to follow God. It's scary to live by faith. And we can't we can't lie and say it's not. No, it's designed to be an adventure and it's designed so that you will learn to trust him and each step of the way that you have to live by faith. And it's scary. Well, Elisha, Elisha lives by faith. He lives on the edge. He's ready and willing to just wait for God to answer his call for help. And that's the, the context of the story that we're in right now. They're in a famine. They've been asking for God to help, and God shows, shows up in a big way. But are you willing to live the way Elisha is living? Are you willing to live by faith? Well, how do we get there? How can we live by such a radical faith? And the answer to that is that we take small steps of faith every day. We do what the Word of God says every day so that step by step, your faith muscle grows in strength. Muscles don't grow by sitting on the couch, right? They get lazy, flabby like me. And, but when when we put them to exercise, when we use them, they grow stronger day after day. And that's why the Lord implements little steps of faith for us, like go to church. Get your butt up out of bed and go to church. Or whatever your thing is, go to church. Tithe, love, little steps of faith and obedience. He says here, this isn't making you righteous. It's an opportunity for you to learn to trust me in the little places. And then when the big tests of faith come, you'll be able to trust in the Lord. And my dad used to always teach me this, and this is one of the most dearest lessons that my dad ever taught me, and so I hope you learn from grandpa this lesson, that God is writing a resume of his faithfulness in your life by the events and trials you go through and him answering your prayers he's doing it so that when the big day comes when you have the big test you pull out that resume and you you say to yourself i know he's answered me in the past and so i know that he will answer me in the future i know it i believe it and i'm gonna step out in faith and do the right thing because i believe he'll meet me and he'll answer my prayers does that make sense A resume of God's faithfulness. That's what he's doing in your life right now. A resume of his faithfulness. So good. Well, let's see. This man comes from Baal Shalisha. And he brought the man uh, of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. So this is an unnamed man. And he's been moved by God to answer the prayers of Elisha. And he, his act of surrender and obedience was what God used to answer the prayers of this man of God, Elisha. And this is often what, surrender, uh, what God uses our surrender to do and what our surrender leads to in this world is we become a blessing for others. When you decide, I'm going to surrender my time, I'm going to come to church. Maybe I'll even come to church on Wednesdays. <gasps> Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll show up and I'll say, well, how can I serve? You know, we have people here serving their hearts out and I don't want them to get tired so I pray that God raises up more servants so that we can all share the load because we got, we got these crazy kids that need to be loved and need to be taught the word of God and that's, that's, God bless Norm. <laughs> and we have kids downstairs that are even crazier, you know, and we have, all the, we have all this ministry that God is doing here. We are praying that the Lord continues to raise that up. But often when we decide to surrender, we are a blessing for others. But the opposite is also, also true. The longer we rebel, the more people get hurt. The longer we rebel, and you might think, well, this is just between me and God. This has nothing to do with all the people at church. Why don't I go, don't get to church? No, wrong, you're hurting them. You don't understand that you are a part of the body. If I don't have a thumb, I can't do all the things that I'm supposed to do, and honestly, I look kind of weird. And our body needs you. you know, and, and so we often, when we're rebelling, we don't understand we're hurting people. We're hurting people. God does ask you to give, but not because God is poor. And certainly I am not asking you to give because the church is poor. It it says that he is the cattle on a thousand hills. So anytime you hear a, a TV preacher, you guys see those TV preachers? Don't ever watch them. Okay, please. But when you see them and they ask for money because they're like, God's work depends on you. It is a bold-faced lie. The Word of God says there's a cattle on a... He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need your money. 100%. The The reason why he asks you to give is because of you. He wants not to take your stuff away, but he wants to use you to be part of his kingdom and transfer your earthly possessions into heavenly rewards. You know, your earthly money will mean nothing when you get to heaven, but what you give and what you honor God with gets rewarded back a billion fold. We won't even understand the exchange rate. Wait, I gave a cup of cold water and you're giving me a million trillion dollars? How does this work? And God says, I just love you that much. That's how it's going to work in my economy. But when we hold back, we're missing out. We're the ones missing out. And that's why God asks us to give. It's a faith thing. It's an invitation. He's saying, trust me and I will take care of you and I will bless you. And that's what he's talking about here. And you may never know how your, your obedience or your gift will affect the life and faith of others. But this unnamed guy gets to be used and his name is not recorded in the Bible, but his deed is recorded in the Bible. And I guarantee when we get to heaven, we're going to wonder, who is that unnamed guy from Baal Shalisha? Who was he? And God will say, he's right here. And he honored me and look he got to be the only guy in the Old Testament to picture the miracle, the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Big deal. He's rewarded mightily. Okay, so what, is, what happens now? Elisha, he said, give it to the people that they may eat. Notice, this is it's important. Elisha has been praying for God to provide for him and the people. Okay? And he sees this guy, this guy coming with a gift from the Lord and he believes it's the Lord and so he's encouraged that his prayer has been answered. He prayed in faith and trusting God so now he acts in faith because faith without works is thank you. He, he, he's doing something. He's saying, okay, here's this bread. I believe the Lord has sent an answer. Now it's only a little bit of bread. It's just a little bit. It's not enough to feed all the people. But Elisha, he's taking a step of faith, and he says, okay, Lord, you've, you've begun to answer the prayer. I believe you will absolutely answer it. You will be enough. So he's, he says, I'm going to do this faithful action. What is a faithful action? For him, he gives bread to the people first. Why is this faithful? Because he's, cur- he's concerned for others before himself do you see how that's faith okay Lord I'm going to believe that you're answering the prayer to provide for me I've certainly prayed for you to provide for me but these people I've been praying for too and so I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to give them the food first it's a faithful choice this bread was not enough to feed them and him so he chose them in faith does that make sense He chose them in faith. It it was not enough, but he was going to give what had been supplied by God as an act of faith, and he would trust that God would supply his own need as well. God knows the needs that he's promised to meet, and he's not concerned about where those resources will come from because God has everything, and he could provide for it in any way he wants. What God is always most concerned with is whether we trust him. God says, I'm going to provide for you, Elisha. Elisha knew he was going to provide for him. And so God sends him a test. Hey, I'm just going to provide a little bit. Elisha, what are you going to do? Are you going to consume this on yourself first? Or are you going to give it to the hungry people first? It was a test of Elisha's faith. Now, why is God testing Elisha? Because God's so proud of him. God loves him and God knows the faith that is in the heart of Elisha and God knows that Elisha is going to pass this test and he wants to show everyone the faith that's in his servant Elisha. But his servant said, what, shall I set this before 100 men? Now, you guys remember, we learned about Gehazi, right? Gehazi is the servant of Elisha and Gehazi is a total loser We've seen it in the times past. He doubted God that God would be able to heal this the 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 lady's son. He doubted God's power. He's always doubting. He just doubts. He is not. He's the picture of not living by faith. This Gehazi. And here he strikes again. The doubter Gehazi shows up again. He has never believed God. He's never believed God's power. He's never believed God's love. And he doesn't believe in God's word. This is who this guy is. He's missing the most important ingredient to ministry, faith. And so why is he even involved in ministry? Well, his time will come (laughs) next week. Well, the next two weeks. We're going to see what the miracle of Nathan, Naaman, Gehazi, runs into some trouble. But here, his lack of faith oozes out of his heart through his lips. And he mocks the man of God for his faith. You can always tell when someone's struggling to believe when they mock you for believing. So Gehazi, he's got no knowledge of the ways of God. He doesn't understand how this little amount of bread could feed so many people because he doesn't believe. He refuses to trust in God's power and God's goodness. He just refuses. I'm not going to do it. This reminds me of in Matthew chapter 13, Verse 58, Jesus, uh, Matthew's talking about Jesus. He says, Now he did not do many mighty works there in his hometown of Nazareth because of their unbelief. Doesn't those two line up for us? Now Gehazi is also probably jealous. Jealous. Because Gehazi is hungry too. Gehazi's hungry. But Gehazi's in ministry right now for a little while longer but Gehazi would rather eat the bread first and let the other people wait for God to provide for them people in ministry are there to serve not to be served he's showing us the anti type of how to be a minister in the church you want to be a a, a horrible pastor worry about yourself before you worry about the people Gehazi shows us all how to fail in ministry. Be concerned with yourself and doubt God's power and love. That's the blueprint Gehazi gives us for how to fail in serving God. Be concerned for yourself and doubt God's power and love. But look at Elisha. Look at Elisha. He said again, give it to the people that they may eat. He repeats his His command. And then he says, For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. Now Elisha, he's been challenged in his faith by this doubter and this unbeliever in Gehazi. What does he do? Elisha still trusts in the Lord. He probably prayed again because now he comes back with a specific word from the Lord, a a specific promise he adds to his instructions this time. So not only did he trust in the character of God, just that God will provide and answer my prayers, but now that he receives a specific word of blessing and a promise from God. And instead of keeping it to himself, he shares it with everyone and encourages everyone else to trust in the Lord too. Now this this shows us what, what we can do, what God is desiring for us to do in our lives. He says, I will speak to you in the word of God. If you get up in the morning and you open my word, I will give you something. I promise you. And sometime during your day, you'll need that. And and you can share it with someone and they will be blessed. God will meet their needs through your faithfulness. But you don't have to. You You cannot spend time with me. And I will bless them another way. But I'm inviting you. You can be used. I'll give you something in the Word of God that you can share with someone to bless them. I, I, I've seen it work hundreds and hundreds of times in my own life. I've seen people come and bring me words. I've given other people words. Just crazy Jesus stuff, right? And you, I'm sure you guys have experienced it too. And it's an open invitation to us daily we can be used like Elisha was here to give promises to the people of God. You can be used in that same way too. Here's the risk of following Jesus. We feel like we can't tell other people that we're just trusting in the Lord because they will think we're crazy or they'll think we're weak or they'll think we're pathetic. But God will give you promises to hold on to. He will reveal things. He will give you a word for yourself or and for someone else as you're reading the word of God. So there's the invitation. Will you trust him? Will you believe that the word of God is for you today? And that question goes out to you every morning. As you wake up every day, it's, on, it's to you. He offers it to you. He invites it to you. Well, a lot of us have this concern. How do I know I'm hearing from him? How do I know? If I'm reading the Bible that this is a promise, well, how did Elisha know? The answer is that he knew the Lord. He knew the Lord. He had a relationship with God. And he could tell when something lined up with his character. Let me illustrate it for you like this. I know when my, if my wife would like something or not. Some things I'm like, no, she wouldn't like that. Other times I'm like, yeah, I think she would like that. And it's because, not because I've studied my wife or taken a test on my wife or went to seminary for Dana school. None of those things equal knowing my wife. No, it's, it's only through time, struggles, relationship, conversations, and getting to know her heart. I can, I can sometimes know what she would like before she would, or better than she would. And that's just how our relationship works. I can know God too. You can know God in that same way. I can develop a relationship with God through the word of God. And that's what you guys are doing today. That's why you've come to church. That's why you're taking notes. That's why you're studying. That's why you wake up is because you are developing that. And we get to know him through his death for us and through the words that we live by. You know, we take communion almost every week and it reminds us of that death and that life. And that's how we get to know the Lord is through his death and life. Do you know the word of God? Do you know about his death and what that means to you? Do you know the word of God? Do you allow those written words to guide your path? Hmm. In 1 John chapter 2, John is is giving the sermon to uh, the churches that he's overseeing and he says, in chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Now, by this we know. And I want to concentrate on those verses. We know. We know, John says. By this we know that we know him. You can know that you know God. He said, How? If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So if you say, I know the Lord, but your life doesn't line up with it, then you are lying and you don't know the Lord. A lot of people say they know stuff, but they really don't know the stuff. He says, And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know, he says, We know, we know, we know that we are in him. If you know that Jesus is your boss, you can have confidence in hearing his voice. Okay, so this is, this is a very big heart issue. How do I know if the words I'm hearing and I'm reading are for me and are promises I can c- call upon? Well, he says, if you want to really be sure, ask yourself, is Jesus your boss? Does Jesus run my life? Do I live my life according to his word? If I do, then you can know that the things you hear from the word of God, you can have confidence in. You can trust it. And then the opposite is true too, he says. If you look at your life and say, I'm sinning all over the place. I don't trust his word. I don't live by his word. I don't obey his word. He says, if you hear something in the word of God, you should probably check it with someone first. You should probably Maybe repent first. <laughs> you can't have that confidence, he's saying. It's a, it's a heart issue. If you know that you've not fully surrendered to Jesus, you will have doubt that you're hearing the Word of God correctly. And that doubt is okay. It's, it's, it's given to you by God to say, hey, you should probably doubt But, again, if you are surrendered to the Lord, if you look at your life and say, I'm honoring him, he says, have all the confidence you want in the word of God. And maybe the doubt you struggle with is actually a symptom that can help you understand that you haven't fully surrendered to the words and the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. I mean, we think sometimes our doubt is the enemy, but maybe your doubt is, is just a symptom and it maybe even a gift for the Lord saying, you got to fully surrender to me. And the doubt will disappear in the light of my love. It's like, where does the dark go when you turn, off, turn on a light? It goes away. Well, John is very clear that walking in the light leaves no room for darkness. Okay? So Elisha, in our story today, has great confidence that he can hear the voice of God in his heart because he was completely surrendered to God. We've seen that in his life. He's trusting the Lord. And Elisha had great confidence that God had heard his prayers too. He believed God was going to answer his prayers. So it says, so he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of God. So the faith of Elisha is met with a supply from God, a supernatural supply from God. God met faith with supply. He had faith that God would supply his needs and his faith was tested by the famine. He had, then a man came from the Lord and then his faith was tested again by the doubting Gehazi. The, the, the bread wasn't enough. His faith, faith was tested again by the amount of bread. Each time Elijah said, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust him. And our faith is constantly going through trials also to grow. It is not because you're not trusting him. It's because you are trusting him that we're going to go through these trials. And our faith is constantly growing. When we decide to trust in God, it will be tested. When you decide, I'm going to trust the Lord with this relationship, with that thing, with whatever, uh, it will be tested. You're like, I'm going to make it to church Sunday. And then Sunday comes and you know what happens? Everything. I I run into a goose and my car's out of gas and my kids are screaming and my wife's angry and everything is against me. Oh, it's so much easier to give in and not have faith. Okay. Well, the enemy knows when you make a decision to honor the Lord and he will throw everything at you. And so sometimes God once, sometimes you come into a, a thing and it's an actual closed door. Okay, God somehow closed the door for me to do this, that, or the other. And other times, it's just God saying, I need you to have some perseverance here. Keep believing in what I've told you and it will. you will be blessed. Our faith is going to be tested and tried. Now, I want you to look. Um, well, hang on. There's another verse in Luke chapter 8. It says, Take heed, therefore, how you hear For whoever has to him will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. And this is talking about faith. So the reason why it's tested is so that God can grow it, so you can have more faith will be given to you. When you trust God, he will open doors for, for you to trust him more. And they're all scary. Every single one of these doors is black on the other side. And it's got strange sounds, and you don't know where the light switch is. You guys walk into a room, dark room, and can't find the light switch? (laughs) Happens to me all the time. I look like a crazy person trying to find that light switch, but it's scary. Now, now we're going to get into what this, when we go into the New Testament, we see the same miracle in Jesus' life, and it's called an antitype. Okay, an antitype, and that's fancy Bible words, For it's something that directly applies to what we um, just learned, but it's different also. So it's related, but it's different, and we're we're gonna um, look at that right now. The most famous, probably the most famous miracle of Jesus is when he um, fed the five thousand, right, with just a few loaves and a few fish, and he fed them. And it's the only miracle uh, that Jesus did that is recorded in all four gospels. Okay, and so. I'm not even going to read that miracle to you. I'm kind of hoping that you have a little bit of background and you know that Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and a few fish, okay? And I'm going to, we're going to go through just seven quick similarities between that miracle and this miracle so you can see that this miracle was supernaturally ordained by God to picture that miracle. Number one, there is a crowd of hungry people, all right? Number two, Those people were cared for. They were loved by the minister of God. Elisha cared for the people. Jesus cared for the people. Number three, a few loaves were used, but both of them were barley loaves. How about that? Number four, they were both told, the the servants were told to give to the people. Not to sell to the people, to give to the people. And that speaks to us of the grace-centeredness of these miracles. That God is about giving, not about you earning his grace. It's a gift, something he will give. Numbers five, an unbeliever raised an objection. Here we have Gehazi, the loser. And who did it with Jesus? Who raised the objection? Anyone remember? Judas. Judas did, okay? How about that? Another link between Gehazi and Judas. We saw another one last week. Number six, the servants of the master fed the people. Jesus didn't walk around feeding the people. He was the supply, okay? Here Elisha pictures the same thing for us. He had his servant go, I I find that amazing that he wants to use us. Number six, uh, that was six. Number seven, there was a surplus or leftover for the prophet and his servants to eat. They had to have the most faith, the servants. The people were provided for supernaturally, but the leftover was for the prophet and his servants to eat. So the lesson for us is that God will supply what you need for all good works. Ask him for it and then step forward in faith to receive it. And our proof text for this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 where he says, "And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency" in all things may have an abundance for every good work. This is how grace and the new covenant are built on. This is what they're built on, is that we don't minister in our own power. We have to do something supernatural miraculous for the people in our church, for the people we minister to. We have to minister by grace. God is says he is able. Now, can God be any more clear than this verse about his willingness and ability to help us? And so my question for you is, why do people burn out in ministry? Why do people get tired of going to church? Why do people get tired of serving God? Why? They should not. It's because they're trusting in themselves. Always. Every time someone gets burnt out, it's because they are drawing from a well that is self-sourced. Jeremiah, he talked about in Jeremiah, they dig out wells and broken cisterns and they trust in themselves. They trust in man instead of trusting in the Lord. He said, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. I never run dry. Ministry is never a burden to me. The people are never a problem. I will preach, I will rebuke, I will correct in love always and never get bored or tired because I'm sourced by God that's how ministry is supposed to work he will give you an abundance for every good work he will give it give it give it so how do you get it you ask for it and you depend on it by faith you ask for it and say Lord this person needs to be loved I don't feel like loving them I don't have wisdom for them. I don't have knowledge for them. But Jesus, you said you would become my wisdom. You said you would become my knowledge. You would become everything I need. And so I ask you to fulfill your word, and I'm going to go step out there and talk to them. And I'm going to give them your truth in love. That's how ministry is done consistently. Who gets the glory then? God does. It was not because of your smarts that they got fixed, that they received help from on high. It was because of obedience and faith in his supply. So different than the ministry of working hard. Oh, I got to just labor and labor for these ungrateful people. <laughs> happens. Old pastors are sometimes cranky. And you're like, "Why, bro? What happened to you?" And all those people. Oh boy. <laughs> well, um, I want to. I want to go through one parable real fast. That's going to kind of contrast what we just learned uh, for us. So, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. They're going to figure out who that is, so we can. Silence the enemy. Hey, there you go. Okay, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, this is a parable, remember, okay? He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. How can I rise and give to you? I say to you that though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For whoever asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened open to you or will be opened and this parable teaches us that when we are concerned for the needs of others that god will absolutely answer your prayers you see in this story this guy had a friend come on a long journey he didn't have anything to provide for him so he goes over to his neighbor's house his friend and asked him, and the neighbor's like, oh, this is a pain, my kids are with me in bed, blah, 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 blah. And and he, said, and, and he says, well, he's going to keep asking and knocking until that guy answers, but he, he's contrasting that with God, saying, God wants to provide. God is more than your friend. Your friend can even get annoyed with you. God won't. God it loves you, and he will always answer your prayer. When, when you have someone that you care about their need and you bring that to the Lord, you can expect God is going to answer you. Again, what did I start this with? I said it is not presumption to trust in the Lord. It's Honors him. And what do you do when you say, I have seen this person's need, I have called upon the Lord to meet that need through me, I'll I'll love them and I'll help meet their needs, and I believe and I'm going to trust that the Lord will do what He said. That honors God. And He will stand up and say, This person honors me and I will meet their needs. I will meet their needs. Our job is to be persistently believing. The point of this parable is not that you need to persist and ask god over and over and over again that's in other places we're taught about that and what it means to have persevering prayer here it's that you just have this simple trust and belief that god will answer my prayers for good works and i'm going to stand upon it i'm going to do it i'm going to trust him Elisha, he already knew this principle. He expected to God to answer his prayers. And that's what we see in this miracle. That it's not presumption to trust in the Lord, but it honors him. And we will see miraculous answers to our prayer. Miraculous answers to our prayer. If we're going to depend on prayer. Wednesday nights, we are praying. We, We do 20 minutes of worship a 20-minute encouragement from 1 John. We started going through 1 John. And then we spent 20 minutes breaking up into small groups and praying for the needs that are, that are deep and heavy in our hearts and in our lives. And I'm I'm pushing it as hard as I can push it right now. Come and pray. There's, there's so much power in believing prayer. He has helped me to change and to believe. I am a million times more confident today that God answers my prayers and hears my prayers than I have ever been in the past in my life. and And I just have this weird confidence, and I think it's from the Lord, that I just want to trust Him, and I believe that He'll answer my prayers. I even say that in my prayers. I believe, and I want you guys to join with me in seeing God answer our prayers, okay? All right, that's our study for today. We're going to sing a song, so would you guys all stand up? Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word and for your challenge to us to trust you at your word. And Lord, I pray that our response would be in humility, Lord, receiving your words as as what they are in truth, words from God, and Lord, in faith, believing the the word of God uh, explained and, and given to us. So God, I pray that you would make me a man that trusts you at your word, that shows my trust in you by praying in faith. God, I need you so much. And my my family here, we all need you. We need miraculous provision. We need for you to provide for us. Uh, we need your Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and transform the lives of those in our life. And God, I pray that you would bring revival to our hearts, to our lives, and, and a revival of trusting and hearing your words, a revival in prayers and seeing our prayers answered, a revival of and unbelievers coming to know you, Jesus. Use us, Father, we pray. Amen.